morning. Take your Bibles if you would. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. What do you think is the gravest danger facing the church in the 21st century? The spread of Islam and other false religions? The spread of doctrinal error in this present day? Well, those are serious dangers, of course, but judging from what Jesus said in the Gospels, the gravest danger may come from the theologically informed, religiously active, morally conservative people whose hearts are far from God. There's probably no sin that is more tolerated, more widespread in the Christian world than legalism. It may surprise you to hear it labeled a sin. Legalists are commonly thought to be a bit overzealous perhaps or uptight, but they're not usually thought of as sinning in the same sense as thieves and those guilty of sexual sin or so forth. And yet Jesus reserved his harshest words, not for thieves nor prostitutes, but to a segment among the religious folks that he identified as hypocrites. Jesus is committed to exposing these people who claim to represent God and his ways while living completely apart from what they say they believe. Perhaps the most frightening thing about this group of people, the Pharisees, was they are the group of people in the Gospels that most closely resembles us. So far as the fundamentals are concerned, the Pharisees believed in nearly everything that you and I do. They believed in the inspiration and the authority of the Bible, in their case, the Old Testament. They believed in the supernatural. They believed in Satan and angels, heaven and hell, and the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees developed an extensive tradition of oral laws applying in almost every area of life, and this factor made them the strictest of the Jewish religious sects. They believed deeply in what they taught, but zeal and sincerity are not enough. The problem with the Pharisees is not in what they believed, not even in what they hoped to do, but in what they actually became and did. The issues that Jesus exposes are still relevant to us today because they apply specifically to those who hold a theologically conservative viewpoint in the pursuit of the truth and the attempt to carry out the will of God, we can get caught up in a spirit of self-righteousness that causes us to watch other people, to note whether they dot every I and cross every T. Pharisees were big on separation. There were seven groups within the Pharisees 
And they even avoided contact with other groups of Pharisees. Kind of sounds like Baptist, doesn't it? What I'm saying is this is one very uptight group. The setting of this section before us this morning is a meal. And before the meal had even begun, Jesus had offended his host, perhaps intentionally, by failing to wash his hands. Look at verse number 37. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And so he went in and sat down to eat. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Now, you need to understand here that the washing of his hands had nothing to do with cleanliness. It was about the ceremony. They went through a very precise washing ritual before every meal to show just how religious they were. There was nothing in the law of Moses that required this washing of hands before a meal. It was a tradition of the Pharisees that they had elevated to equal with Scripture. Knowing their thoughts, not because they had said it out loud, but knowing their thoughts, Jesus says in verse 39, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, and then indeed all things are clean to you. Jesus differs from his host and the other Pharisees that are present by seeing that the inside is more important than the outside. The heart is more important than appearances. Actions are a mere reflection of attitudes. Jesus' problem with the Pharisees was they were more concerned with form than with substance, more concerned with appearance than reality. The Pharisees were concerned only with what a man did. Jesus was concerned about what a man was. Jesus says that they are only concerned about cleaning the outside of the cup and dish, but not the inside, which is full of filth. I read an example of this. A preacher went out to a rural church to preach. He spent the night at the home of the farmer, and in the morning the farmer's wife fixed breakfast. She went out to the hen house to gather eggs, and when she came in with the eggs, he noted that there was some barnyard still on the eggs. And she did not wash it off. He didn't worry about it, though, because she put the eggs into boiling water to cook. The pollution of that water couldn't hurt the eggs because they were protected by the shells. The woman then asked him if he would like a cup of coffee. He gratefully accepted only to watch the woman put instant coffee into a cup and pour the dirty egg water into the cup. It is then that you realize how important the inside of the cup is rather than just the outside. 
There are seven distinctions of legalism given in our text. Now, having dealt with the general complaint about the Pharisees, Jesus now issues a series of woes. The word woe is not so much a stinging rebuke as it is an expression of grief. It is an expression of regret. These woes addressed to the Pharisees seeks to right their wrong priorities. In his first remarks to the Pharisees, he identifies three. And in his final remarks to the scribes, he identifies the next three. The first distinction of legalism is that it emphasizes the external. In verse 42, he says, But what are you Pharisees? For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The Pharisees tithe. And that's more than can be said for most professing church members. Some people say that tithing is not a New Testament principle. But in this verse, Jesus put his stamp of approval on it. When it comes to tithing, he said, it should not be left undone, which is the same as saying it should be done. But the Pharisees had made this sharing of the material blessings that God had given them into a ridiculous game of counting everything in their garden. If they had 10 tomatoes, they gave one to God. The Pharisees were great tithers, but they were inward failures. Although these words are addressed to a religious group that no longer exists, we have our own standards of legalism. We become legalists when we make any single issue the issue of our lives. The issues may vary. What version of the Bible do you read? Do you believe in prophecy? If so, what is your position on eschatology? Are you pre-trib or post-trib? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? Do you homeschool or do you send your kids to Christian school or do you send your kids to public school? Are you a vegetarian or a meat eater? Whatever the issues are, if we use them to define whether a person is spiritual or not, we are guilty. The second distinction of legalism is being preoccupied with being noticed. He says, woe to you Pharisees, verse 43, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. Things were a bit different then than they are now in the average Baptist church. The most important seats in the synagogue were in the front, unlike the Baptists where it is in the back. In fact, they were not only in the front, they sat facing the congregation as our choir would. They did what they did to be seen and noticed by others. And we have to stop and ask ourselves, are the things that we do in the service of Christ 
done to see, be seen by other people? Are we satisfied to serve unnoticed? The third distinction of legalism is that it makes people worse rather than better. Verse 44, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like graves which are not seen, and men who walk over them are not aware of them, And then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. Kind of interesting that one of the men at this point says, Now, Jesus, I know you're not trying to be offensive, but you need to understand that what you're saying is offensive. I know you'll want to correct that. The Jews had to be especially careful about ceremonial defilement especially from dead bodies. So they made sure that the graves were clearly marked. But Jesus says that you Pharisees are like unmarked graves. They didn't look like graves, but you are. And we have to ask ourselves, what happens if people follow our example? If people follow my example, does that bring them closer to God or take them further away? The fourth distinctive of legalism, and now he begins to talk to the scribes, is that its teaching produces a burden and not a blessing. He said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Essentially, what he does is he accuses them of taking all the joy out of living for God. Sounds like some people you may have been around in your life. People that suck all the joy out of serving the Lord. They made serving God a burden. When David spoke of the law of God in Psalm 119, he described it as a blessing, even a delight. In contrast to these men who Jesus said, you load men with burdens that are hard to bear. And yet Jesus says about his teaching that it is light. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come unto me all ye who labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But when we think about Jesus and what he taught, it doesn't seem light compared with the Pharisees. They forbid murder, but they allowed hate. Jesus condemned both. They forbid adultery, but they allowed lust. But Jesus forbid both and called them sin. Jesus' interpretation was not easier in that it was more liberal or easy to obey. It was easier in that following the Pharisees resulted in guilt and following Jesus resulted in grace. The fifth distinction of legalism is that it is a monument to guilt, not love. He says, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers had killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. 
You ever been to one of those really old cemeteries and you saw some of these grandiose tomb markers on some of the graves? Did you ever wonder if in some cases this showy tomb is an evidence of guilt more than of love? As a pastor, I get to attend a lot of funerals. And I have seen some pretty outlandish demonstrations of grief. And in almost every case, I later learned that the people who were showing such an immense display of grief had a bad relationship with the deceased. So people go overboard with the burial arrangements of those they feel guilty about. And they try to make it look like they really cared for them when they did not. It seems that this is the case with these experts of the law. They went to great lengths to show honor to the prophets. Lengths that reveal rather than conceal their guilt. In their way of thinking, the only good prophet is a dead prophet. It was much easier for them to live in the past by admiring dead prophets than it was to live for God in the present doing what the prophets had said. The sixth and final distinction of legalism is that it makes the truth harder to find. Verse number 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge You did not enter into yourselves, and those who are entering in, you hindered. Jesus condemns the experts of the law for being the exact opposite of what they think they are. They believe that they possess the key of knowledge, but in fact they are obstacles to the truth. There will be a special judgment, I believe, on those people who have no genuine commitment to Christ themselves and who are a stumbling block for others who would be so. It's easy to see the distinctives of legalism in the lives of others, but not near as easy to see in our own lives. My challenge to you today is not to consider how this message may apply to someone else but to hear what the Lord may be trying to say to you is your concern mainly about the external are you preoccupied with being noticed do you confuse your Christianity with your politics are you doing more harm than you are good by your example? Do you make people's burdens harder and heavier? Do you treat the Bible as a text to be analyzed rather than the word of God to be lived? Because of your life, do others find the truth harder to find? If you can say in your heart that none of those things apply to you, then I believe you really have a problem. 
Verse 53 says, And he said these things to them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something that he might say that they might accuse him. When faced with the truth of God's word, we are always faced with one of two choices. We can believe and repent, or we can get angry and reject the truth. Here, these religious leaders reached a point of no return. They crossed the invisible line from which there was no turning back. I don't think they realized that they had just hardened their hearts for perhaps the last time. I wonder if anyone does. How many times has the Lord touched your heart? How many times have you felt him drawing you, but you resisted? If so, I will tell you that the next time that you hear the truth, it will not hurt so bad. And it will not draw you as strongly. Let me close with what I think ought to be our prayer. Lord of reality, make me real. Not a pretend phony, not an actor playing a part. I want to not cheat, just keep a prayer list, but to pray. Not just to agonize to find your will, but to obey what I already know. Not to argue theories of inspiration, but submit to your will. I don't want you to just sing as if I mean it. I want to mean it. I don't want to tell it like it is, but I want to be it like you want it to be. I don't want to tell others how to do it, but to do it. I have, don't want to have to be right, but be willing to admit when I'm wrong. I don't want to be insensitive, but I want to hurt when other people hurt. I don't want to say that I know how you feel, but to say God knows, and I'll try to be what God wants me to be if you'll be patient with me I don't want to scorn the cliches of others but to mean everything I say including this let's pray Father like so many things it's uh, so much easier to find faults in other people I see their errors so easily but my eyes are clouded when it comes to seeing my own faults and failures. I want to be real. I want to live what I preach. I want your word not to be just something that I study week after week, but something that works in my heart day by day. I pray that you'd speak to us as we bow here before you, that your word would be alive and living and that it would work in the hearts of each of us. And Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you, it is my prayer that today they might come to know you. They might realize that they're a sinner, that they cannot save themselves, but that you've done everything necessary for their salvation. All they must do is accept 
that free gift of the payment of their sins on the cross of Calvary. For those of us who know that we are saved, but sometimes we get caught up in the ritual of going through the motions, that sometimes we get pretty far from being reality. Help us to be what we profess to be and forgive us when we fail. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.